This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want to discover the key thinking tools of high achievers. You are now part of a small group of people who are trying to learn the ins and outs of these tools called mind models without the fluff. This podcast will give you an inside look at the daily life of a mind model coach and what he's done for the past 30 years to transform his clients so they can get six and seven figure results. Welcome Welcome to to Mind Mind Model Model Mastery Secrets. Secrets. Now here's your host, Blair Dunkley. Hi everyone, Blair Dunkley here and welcome to MindModelMasterySecrets.com. This is where you're going to find out how mind models work, what they do, and you're going to meet some people who are already using them, hopefully rather successfully, we'll find out today, uh, from (laughs) one of our uh, longtime users of mind models, Tyler Devon. Hi Tyler and welcome. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Good. Great. You could make it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. We've been trying to tee things up for a bit here, so I finally captured them today. So that's the good part. So, um, hey, you know what? Remember that story that you used to tell a few times? <laughs> you mean the embarrassing one? Yeah, the embarrassing one. Yeah. <laughs> Would you mind sharing that with the listeners here? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say it was like the first time I met you. Uh, I heard about Blair through a friend, uh, guy, we don't really keep in contact anymore, but a guy I knew at the time named Earl. Um, and I met him because I was still at an, an engineering job and I was doing that whole thing. And honestly, it just wasn't for me. Um, the whole like engineering world, just, you know, going to Northern Alberta, working on the oil lines, it, it just didn't seem like a lot of fun when it was like negative 20 some degrees out. So was looking to options to get out of that. Uh, really had lo- loved marketing, had a good grasp on it. So got the opportunity, worked with this guy named Earl. And Earl had done very well for himself in the financial space. And he was going through a bit of a dip at the time. Um, but he would always brag, brag basically about you. And like yeah. how, you know, you were his coach and you were helping him all that good stuff. So right. um, I remember we were at one of Earl's events. And I was walking to the back of the room. And there was like this like little like pamphlet area or whatever with order forms. Oh yeah. And and I, I gotta give you credit, man. You were very, very, very uh <laughs> what's a good word for it? Almost like 007-ish, I'll say. <laughs> Cause I remember walking to the back and grabbing the order form and you like walked up to me, you you like looked at me like you already knew. You're like, Do you wanna know? And I'm like, like absolutely. <laughs> and that was like our first real conversation, I think. Um, and basically what you meant by that is like, do you want to be profiled? Do you want to know what your profile is? Yeah. And at that point, the only words that I know that you heard from me that come, came out of my mouth was, Hey, where do I get the order forms? Something along those lines. And so you're like, all right, let's go for a walk outside. And the next 20 minutes of my life were probably one of the freakiest 20 minutes I ever had <laughs> because the profiling was like amazing. Um, I remember like standing there like with my arms crossed trying to like hide my shaking because it was like it was just surreal like how could somebody know so much intimate details about your life without you possibly sharing them like the world I had with with Earl was strictly work related and you're telling about my relationship and like you know the downs I was going through you're telling about my personal income you know the ups and the waves I was seeing at the time the giant you know I'd have really good days and then or months and then it would drop and I would be stay low for a while. And it was like, it was like a roller coaster. Yeah. And you were able to tell me all of that. And I'm like, either this guy, this, 
no, I wouldn't say this guy is God, but I'm like, this must be what talking to God feels like. Like there's, I felt in the, in the moment, I'm like, there is nothing that you can like hide just because of all the information about myself you're telling me. So it creeped me out. But then after that, I'm like, how the fuck does he do this? Yeah. And so from that point on, I'm like, wow, this, this, I've never seen anything like this. And I'm like, I got to figure out a way to live in this guy's basement one way or the other. <laughs> I, in the cold of Edmonton, maybe I'll knock on his door, you know, after being freezing for a couple of days and from the goodness of his heart, he'll let me stay there. I don't know. But I just knew I had to learn how to do this because if I learned how to do this, I would be able to like, you know, achieve the success I wanted. So that's how we kind of met. And that was my first uh, experience with you as scary as it was. Um, and somewhat embarrassing that I'm now telling all these people that I want to see <laughs> somehow live in yeah. your basement. Yeah. <laughs> the stalker story. The yeah. stalker story. Yep. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty, it was pretty limited information, but I was on that day. And I, I... I think that day too, man. I think you were giving me a 10. Yeah. I think you were letting me have it all. I, I wasn't holding back much that day. I was... Um, yeah. Some some days Blair, uh, like I, I for Mostly. my own entertainment purposes, I get Blair to profile people all the time. Like we'll be in public events, and I'm like, you, I'll grab a random person or someone I know. I'm like, you got to meet this guy, and I don't want to give them any information because I love seeing like the look on their face when they do it, you know. And either yeah. they're scared or they're like really interested or something. But it's just such a cool experience. But one thing I know you do a lot is like you you won't always. Like there's times when uh, I don't know if I should even be sharing this, oh, but like ahead. it's fine. Where Blair would be like, "Hey, like I'm not really feeling like profiling today," and I'm like, "Oh, that's weird, man. Like I don't really see you do that often." Um, and you're like, "Yeah, that person was not ready for what I had to give them." That's so, true. but yeah, I know you hold back a lot sometimes on people just so you don't freak them out. But that day, freak out level was achieved, and I'm yeah, like, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, I also uh, target generally for an eight. I don't always go for a 10. So mm. I do try to, to keep it down. Some days it's just fun. And it's so obvious that it's like, it's like written all over, you know, the person's language pattern. And I just listen to it. And, and all of this stuff sort of comes together. I'm uh, actually listening to Ray Dalio's book, Principles, oh, right now. And he's um, talking about how there's not that many different types of people in the world and you know when you figure out how they the different principles that they use well i don't use principles i use mind models and we've got over a hundred of them defined but the thing that ray dalio does and has spent a long time doing as well as i have is writing down and documenting these principles that he calls them well i do it from a slightly different uh, point of view. I do it from how do people actually think and how do people process information? And that's one of the things that you How, how is that different work. from like race? Um, actually, it's uh, as I'm going through the book, it's it's substantially different. He has these ways of constructing his thinking that he jots down as as fundamental principles. Hmm. And um, they are principles. They're I, concepts of ideas and um, they're put into algorithms so computers can actually make decisions with them and they can really be more effective in investment and hiring and firing and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
But at the end of the day, it, it, the same fundamental pieces that he talks about in there is he still is looking for people that are going to think more effectively. Hmm. And he's going to hire for that. But I work at how do you actually get people to think more effectively? Hmm. Like that's the difference. And so these are even more basic, more fundamental. And sort of like some of the stuff that I saw with you is your fundamentals of thinking were causing these oscillations mm -hmm. and you weren't recognizing your pattern so that you could break out of that pattern. So I know that you've worked with me for a while, right? Yep. And you're back working with me again. So mm -hmm. what got you interested in the first place and what got you to come back and talk about mind models? Well, I feel like, you know, if you sleep in someone's basement, that saves a lot of money on rent. <laughs> No, yeah, that's true. By the way, yeah. sometimes I occasionally swear it's not on purpose. Is that okay? I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. Uh, just sometimes it pops out. Um, anyways, uh, the reason I want to do a beginning in the beginning is because I just met so many people that you helped that their businesses exploded just because of like, you were right in what you were saying. Like, you know, I would do really well. Like I had this one marketing campaign that did like, you know, I forget what it was like 40 or 60 grand in a month. And I'd never seen money come in like that before. Um, it all of a sudden, like everything shot off and it was great. And then all of a sudden I hit this low and then I would like figure something else and it'd shoot off and then low, as opposed to like continuing to go like this or to go like that, get an exponential curve. Right. Yeah. And so the real reason I wanted to like do, uh, work with you initially was just because I wanted to figure out like, how the hell do I fix this? Like there's people out there doing this. Um, and one thing that kind of occurred to me or like happened kind of during that time frame was like growing up, I didn't really have a good model for managing money or like how to make money or how to be an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. I never planned to do that in my life. Um, it wasn't something that I thought I was just capable of. Um, I thought, you know, if I could just be a firefighter and make 60 grand a year, I'm like, that would pay for a truck and a house. Um, perfect. I would be good. Um, but I started meeting people who were like really, really successful. Like in my eyes, like maybe at that time, you know, being successful to me was making a hundred grand a year. Um, and I met this one guy specifically, I won't say his name because I'm about to bash him a little bit, <laughs> but he had a few million dollars in equity. He was a real estate investor. He was making maybe 10 to 15 grand a month passively. And I'm like, man, this guy must be like a really smart dude. Like the reason people are successful, I thought, was because they were smart. Well, this guy proved me wrong. Like, I don't even know how he put on his pants in the morning. He was like, like <laughs> there was like repetitive tasks. Like how do you open PowerPoint on your computer? He would call me to ask me. Okay. Like it was real basic shit. And this is two weeks after doing a daily PowerPoint. He was still calling me for this stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm like, so you obviously don't need to be smart to be successful. Right. And so what I want to do is like, what is it that these people who are successful, like, what is it that they do that I'm not doing? Because if I can do that, then I can be successful myself. And at that time, like based on our conversation and based on your know, prior clients that you had and the stories that you shared, I'm like, there is an approach. I need to figure out this approach because if I can figure out this approach, I know that I can be successful too, because it's not a brain thing. I was more than smart enough. Oh, yeah. um, it was just a matter of like how to think about things and how to approach things. And so that's what got me interested. Um, the reason I brought you and Melissa on again 
down the road now. I don't even know. We've been friends for a long time. Yeah. Um, long time. Well, but, ever since that first creep out meeting. <laughs> yeah. Note to self, if you want clients, creep them out. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. I haven't advice. tried that approach that often. Well, it worked that, worked that day, it, right? It worked on you, obviously. But uh, the reason I brought on Blair and Melissa again was because um, – I'm not sure it's 2018 right now. I'm not sure my file numbers are for 2017 yet. Uh, but 2016, we we did four and a half million in sales across uh, two companies that I have. Um, and I'm like, I projected 10 million last year. Well, about eight months, six months or eight months into last year, I'm like, I'm not even close to hitting 10 million this year. And I felt like I was like starting to do that thing again, where I'm like, I'm knocking on like this door, this glass ceiling, and I'm just not breaking through. Um, so that's how come we brought you guys on again is because cool. we want to blow through 10 million. We don't want to be stuck at four and a half million for like three years straight. Right. Exactly. Which is, um, actually a fairly common thing that we get brought on for in our other company. So, uh, Melissa and I have, uh, two companies, uh, rewiring the mind and we have results now and you're a results now client of ours. Yep. And that is to take companies to the next level. But we do it a little bit differently. And one of the things that we're doing is we're working with you so that you can tweak those mind models, those ways of thinking to say, okay, how are you questioning yourself? How are you questioning your team? What types of questions are you using? How is that evaluation going? What are you evaluating at this level? And how effective are those evaluations mm -hmm. to take you to the next level? Mm -hmm. And when you get used to thinking a certain way, it'll get you so far, but then it starts capping you out at that level. And to get to that next level, you have to change how you think. In fact, you've got to change everything. You've got to change your business model, the way that you think, how you are right down to personally. And that's one of the other things uh, I guess I'm going to be talking a little bit about Ray Dalio's book principles. That's another thing that he kept on repeating over and over again is you in different ways. He said it, you know, you will only get as far as, as you will personally be able to go and grow mm -hmm. to. So if you're, I believe after like training with you guys, I believe that a hundred percent, like yeah. it all starts with, with yourself. It does. And that's what mind models are working, you know, what makes mind models so effective. I mean, um, evaluation uh, versus judgment. I mean, that was a big one for you in the early days, let's say, yeah. you know, because, you know, there was... So I'd say it's one that's still at times, like, as the team's grown and, like, you bring on other people because, like, the people you surround yourself with yep. uh, influence you. And so there's times even now, that's one I have to like remind myself of to make sure we stay in the evaluative state as opposed to a judgmental one. Yeah, exactly. And that's really one of the tough things that we're, we're taking a look at is how do you build that culture of evaluation as opposed mm -hmm. to judgment? And, you know, we're working on that with you, with your teams and, you know, all of the different teams that are in your companies and looking at that and saying, okay, what are those stuck states that these people hang up on and that are not challenged mm -hmm. currently that are habituated to? So yeah. if we don't have, you know, um, this, this open, honest, way of evaluating ourselves, not judging, but evaluating so we can actually find incremental improvements, you can't really get there. 
So I don't know if you're noticing anything like that on your staff these days. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So if you could fill me in, that would be yeah sad. for sure. Even like uh, like there's one guy in particular in our team. Uh, man, I've noticed well two guys actually, one on each, one on uh, the e-commerce side, and then one on the data monetization side. Mm-hmm. Um, man, ever since you did that training down here in Florida, I feel like Gabe's been on fire. Yeah. And like what he's doing now compared to where he was, like he wasn't doing bad before. No, but now, now but, he's, but he's, he was also capped out because yeah. he kept on going. He'd evaluate here and then judge to here. Yeah. And wherever he judged to was his cap. And he yeah. didn't see the difference. Totally. Until we really, well, I wound up really challenging him to look at himself yeah. and to apply the, the model, the rules to see what is, what is the way that he's thinking and is it consistent all the way along? And when he saw that it wasn't, mm. it was like an instant breakthrough for him. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, even his, his, the way he approached uh, testing and stuff now and different models of, um, you know, managing Facebook ads, like before our model for, for running Facebook ads was a very capital intensive model. He's mm-hmm. now been able to take that model, condense it, minimize our losses and position us better for upside. Wow. Which is freaking amazing. That's in the last few months? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's- I would say it was like halfway through December he figured that out. Because oh, we sweet. had a great month in November. Um, we did over a million dollars in sales, but our net wasn't that great. Like we didn't, uh, I think it was like nine and a half percent or something like that, which at the end of the day, it's not bad. A 95 no. grand month is a great thing. But, it, you know, to spend a million to make 95, it's like, you know, I'd rather spend, you know, 500,000 to make 300,000 profit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there, there's for margins and there's different reasons. How come we even let that happen? But now he was able, part of the reason that happened was just because of his testing process. It was a very capital intensive. So that all like, you know, there'd be some days, I think our biggest day, we did like 65 grand Jeez, that day in sales. It's a great day, but it wasn't our most profitable day. Funny enough. Interesting. Yeah, it wasn't at all. I think there was another day, I think we did like 50 grand and that was our most profitable day. I think it was like 11 or 12 grand profit. Nice. Um, yeah, that which is cool. 20, but, 20 plus percent. Yeah, it was a great, great return that day. Um, but it's like, just because your money goes up doesn't mean your net profit. And net, net profit is like what you use to live off and grow yeah. your business and stuff. But yep. yeah, it was because he had such aggressive model and it was cool to a point. But if we can like modify that model and make it better, shit, now we can make our money go so much further. Exactly. Exactly. So when you start taking a look at your business models that way, what would you say has been the biggest influence in terms of mind models? Is it how you're, how you're getting Gabe to question himself or is it, what is it? I wish I could take credit, but honestly, uh, I would say you ignited that whole conversation. Okay. As far as gain us both going down that place and then uh, just focusing on judgment versus evaluation, like, and then being like, what else, what else can we do? How else can we approach this? Like, is there a better model out there? What else can we test? You know what? I'm going to interrupt you for just a second because you asked me, you just asked that question. Is there a better model out there? Well, there is, but there is a different way of thinking that I noticed that you're not actually applying here. So I'm going to apply, I guess profiling into this. Do you want to guess? Yeah, effective. 
Uh, no, it actually, that's a good one. Effective versus ineffective. You can, yeah. you can this is how our coaching it. sessions generally go too. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> so for you people watching, this is it in action. So, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, you're not identifying processes here. You're mm -hmm. identifying content blocks, but not the processes behind the blocks uh, of content. So the whole mind model here is content versus process. Mm -hmm. So yes, effective versus You know what? I would say that that's definitely one I've struggled with even now. And I think that's something like, uh, you know, before, you know, we were, I know we were chatting back and forth. Um, I think that's been a weak point that I've had is just building out processes. Yeah, but I, I, these ones are, are not just building out the processes, but it's actually how you think is goes into, was going into um, content chunks. Hmm. So before you were talking more or less in terms of a process of um, judgment and evaluation and mostly evaluation, flow, there was flow, then it went chunk, chunk, chunk. That's hmm. sort of how I hear it in my head because hmm. I'm listening for the mind models or for the absence of the mind models and the flow stopped. And mm -hmm. so I go, hold it. Well, if there's no flow, there's no process in how you're thinking about it. It's mm -hmm. chunk of information, chunk of information, chunk of information. And that's sort of what triggered me right there in that moment to say, oh, that's interesting. Um, he shifted how he was thinking and this is his sticking point. So mm -hmm. pay attention to that. And that's one of the things I've learned to do is when people identify what they're sticking points are it's frequently at that moment in time that is where their language pattern shifts and their thinking shifts in that moment and it goes into a way that shows well for me it shows me the stuck state well if yeah. i know how to unstick that and then take it from that content piece into a process piece the flow starts going again mm. anyway so so how would i uh are, are we able to go through this now Totally. Like if so, you're comfortable with this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So how would I, uh, how would I change that? Okay. So let me ask you a question. What question would you ask yourself to, to take yourself to that, to challenge yourself now that you are aware of that? I guess, uh, oh, by the way, for everybody that's listening, I have a, a way of paying attention to learning and a learning strategy and it's awareness, notice, process, understanding. Those are the four pieces. So one of the things that I did here is I got Tyler to a point of an awareness and he's got an awareness, but he's got enough pieces so to move it to, we hope to notice something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll hope. Like that, that's the hope. Okay. So anyway, and then he can build a process, a mm. flow, a thing, a way, a different way of thinking. And when he gets to that, the light bulb moment will happen and he'll go, yeah, I get it. I know what to do. And then yeah. he understands it. So that's sort of like, a, 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 um, like, let's see if it happens. Let's see if we can get there. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. Cool. So yeah. I guess an effective question would be how to identify uh, whether I'm in process or if I'm chunking content. Exactly. So how do you do that? And who do you need to do that with? I feel like I would probably need to do that with myself. So I'm aware of it Perfectly. in real time as it's happening. Yes. Uh, as for the how, I'm not 100% clear on that, actually. Okay. What questions are you asking yourself currently? Like, just go back to the uh, game. Very situational story. stuff. Yes, exactly. 
So what do you think might need to shift if it's very situational? So is situational going to be process-driven or content-driven? Uh, content-driven. Correct. So if it's content-driven, you're looking at situation, 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 right? Yeah. Or content block, content block, content block, and trying to figure out each of those problems almost as though they're separate chunks, correct? Yeah. Well, what if you re-looked at it, stepped back and raised yourself up and looked at the flow of it? How do these three things, how do they fit or do they fit in the same flow? Are you forcing mm. them together or are you creating a flow with that? Mm. So how would you, what, where would you go with that? I would say probably if I'm catching myself going into like really deep specifics, as opposed to like, you know, like if I was working with Gabe, for example, um, looking at the overall process, like outlining of like, you know, where okay, we need you to notice what you just did there. It was very good. No, I didn't. Okay. So for everybody who's listening, you know, you can replay this thing and back it up here, but I, I, I you can analyze me here and then it goes back and I move my, my hands and, and said, it's up here. You got to look at that process flow. And you just said, you know, if I sit back and look at like the bigger picture as it were, yeah. I'm putting words in your mouth now, but sit back and look and analyze the whole thing, which is exactly what you're not doing. You're diving into the weeds as mm -hmm. opposed to rising up. Yeah. So when you rise up and you look at it, you're more probably going to get into a process flow. Hmm. Now you can get into bigger chunks of data or content, but keep going. So you sit back, you rise up and you look at it with Gabe. Yeah. So what are you going to do? So probably just outline, like, you know, if we take a step back here, Gabe, you know, overall, you know, we understand how our current testing model works and, but is there a way that we can tighten up our overall testing model to minimize losses, but still maximize return? Excellent. And what, what does that do for the process? I think it gets him to start thinking about our current process and then just first of all, like taking a look at it and realizing that it is a capital intensive uh, testing process. Yes. And then figuring out how it could be modified. Like what, what kind of things, what kind of levers and buttons can he push in order to uh, condense some of that down or at least, you know, where can he, how okay, can he right start now, looking at the problem? Are you staying in the process of this or are you going back into the content blocks? Uh, starting to go back in the content blocks. Correct. So uh, stay in the process and try and deliver a process piece here for the mind model process versus content. Stay in the okay. process. Well, I'd say have him come up with uh, multiple options for achieving the end result. Ah, hold it. What was the key piece here? Options. And the, the next one? Uh, multiple. No, Not really. End result. Right. End result. <laughs> Options and end result. Those are the mm -hmm. two key things. Multiple is going to be chunk, 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 chunk. Yeah. Uh, things to do, which is fine. But options here are finding different paths, different mm -hmm. ways. And to get to a given result. And so what you want to do is you want to 
break out how you're thinking about things so that you're, you're again, consistently starting with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you do reasonably well when you are setting goals and objectives is your goals and objectives are very concrete. You know what you want to do, but you're not breaking through. So Mm -hmm. you look at that uh, goal and objective, but that now becomes a data piece, a chunk. Mm -hmm. So you've taken that thing that could be a desired result and it could be the end point of your process flow and just turned it into an end point by itself. No mm. process flow to it. Yeah. So you just say, you're just holding it up there and saying, ah, this is a target. This is a goal. This is the, the result I want. Actually, more like this is a goal. Yeah. But if you said this is the result, then what's your next question that's going to happen in your brain? I would say if I'm looking at something like, oh, this is the result I want, what road do I need to go down to get there? That's it. Close enough. So I would go, the what of this is fine. What road do I need to go down? You're now looking at it with a little bit of a, of a what road is it? It's picking the road. But what would happen if you switch that question to a how? How would I? I think I'm almost thinking about how and what's similar in this situation. You are. But I'm trying to get you refined because I think you're drifting off with your what and not getting into the how fast enough. Gotcha. Okay, so try it again with the how. Uh, so how would I go about achieving this end result? Great. What happens uh, in your brain when you ask that question? Very specific uh, options come up. Exactly. Now, when you said, what road might I go down? What happened in your brain? It was very broad. And was it clear or fuzzy? It was fuzzy. And when you said how, was it clear or fuzzy? Very clear. Very clear. See, that's the habit that you got. Like, okay, at the lower level, making a couple million dollars per company and whatnot, the what works, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's not a lousy idea. It's just not refined. Mm -hmm. So with your experience, you're not actually leveraging your experience to get you engaged with the transformation in front of you that mm. you can actually do. So your, your mindset has been to habituate, how, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Not yeah. how do I do it, how do I do it, how do I do it? Yes. That's, that's slightly, almost, it's not semantics, but it feels like it when you're starting yeah. out. But it really- I, I, I would say too, like if you've never gone through this before, it could feel, feel very semantic-y oh, yeah. uh, until you do it. Yeah. And then it's like night and day. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very clear. Cause I, I, if anything, it starts outlining more options. Like I think about, you know, a consultant we could hire for a couple hours at a time. You know, I think about available courses out there. I think about, you know, getting him to draft up two or three options um, and actually detail them out so we can kind of critique them and test them. Like more options start coming up. And I think about how could I go about doing it? Exactly. And do you notice that every one of those hows were action-based? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think about it in terms of what, what are you feeling like you're going to do? Probably like kind of think on it a bit more. Exactly. Like get into a conversation with it. Yeah. Yeah. At, at best. Yeah. Not a terrible thing. And things will probably fall out and be okay, but yeah. it's just not predictable enough. Mm-hmm. That's how come question concepts. 
You know what I love about what you just said was the whole predictability thing. Yeah. When uh, I think about this with principles, and I think about this with your stuff, because obviously I'm reading principles too. We talked about that. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like the, the more refined you get, it's almost like stack. It's like you're playing like at a casino and you're like stacking the deck for yourself. You are. Like, you're like, all right, let's throw a few more aces in there. You know, let's increase our probability of winning. Yep. And that's really what it comes down to on a predictable basis. I mean, you know, all of the mind models are tested to be a, at a minimum of 80% predictable. So 80 I'll take those odds any day. Exactly. Me too. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think I've shared with you this with, with um, the story with you, but I'm going to share it with our listeners real quick. Um, most of these mind models were, were created back when I was working at Life Skills College. 80% of our student population at the college was potentially suicidal. So we taught them life skills that was based on um, a $42 million five-year uh, study, research study done by the government where they defined um, all of these, uh, not mind models, but life skills. And I found that their five year, when their five year study was over, um, um, four years after that, um, my mom and I and another lady started up life skills colleges and we applied that and I loved their work. It was brilliant because it gave people coping, problem solving and success skills, but designed for people with, um, well, not really mental health, it wasn't designed for them, but social assistance issues, we adapted that into the mental health community. And I realized that I needed deeper, more predictable models of, uh, and tools, skills and behaviors to be able to influence people, simply because I was stressing out and I was... Um, my second year in, in fact, I hadn't even finished my second year. I was in my second year and I was got, went off to the doctor's office and he told me, you have a bouncing baby ulcer. I was wow. stressing so much with all of this stuff that I could not stand the stress of it because- That would have, be stressful, like having hundreds of suicidal patients that you had to take care of simultaneously. Every night. Every yeah. night. And it was like, oh my God. And our staff was having their own stresses. And I had to help our staff on top of that. And there were very little, few people that were helping me as it yeah. were. So I needed to figure out stuff. And I created counseling models and mind models and other things that actually enabled us to simplify and take the training uh, that was, and the research that was done at Life Skills, follow that model, but develop other models that just increase the probability so I could relax around it. And actually, I created a counseling model called Opera and Effectual Counseling, where I didn't even need to know what the client's problem was and I still had an 80% probability of being able to get them resourceful and for them to leave and go out there and do their own thing and that was really cool because I couldn't take it home and worry about it and stress about it at night because I didn't even know what the heck it was yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool yeah that's a good man I didn't think about it like that before yeah well I was just you know um what is it? Uh, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Well, that was so true. Yeah. So true. So that's where all of these mind models came from. And then taking them off and applying them um, 
to people that are not, you know, suicidal. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you are. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, but at the end of the day here, taking it off and, and working with businesses because it actually works so well in businesses mm. and just leveraging that, but knowing that these things have an 80% predictability to it at a minimum and then moving forward with those, it's like, hold it. If I tried it three times, I'm almost guaranteed to hit it 100%, well, 99.9% .9 of the mm -hmm. time. I'm going to get it to be effective if I attempt two things. Yeah. I attempt them, number one, and I evaluate them. So you got to learn about evaluation and you have to figure out what worked, what didn't work, and what's one thing that I can do differently mm -hmm. next time. And if you make those shifts, it will change. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for the, uh, that's, that's a little blurb there. So, um, yeah, so that's basically where we're at with that. I uh, just wanted to let you know, uh, let the listeners know what we do. And, you know, I'll probably be sharing that a few times over the <laughs> I can months imagine. ahead. Yeah. It's sort of like uh, built into me hardwired. Right. Here. At this point. Yeah. Have you ever told people about um, when you start first are like, uh, testing all these models on like, uh, like Jack and people like that. Oh, geez. Uh, the Jack Gallagher story. Jeez. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even finished coming up with all of the mind models by a long shot, but I had just put in six and a half years on working on question concepts. And, um, my uncle, Charlie, Charlie Dunkley, um, he was, when he was alive, um, he was working at uh, Dome Petroleum back in the 1980s. And so it was the late 80s um, when I had figured, uh, finally finished um, figuring out how question concepts work. And that was huge. Uh, I, I, I saw a pattern there and there's a language pattern of success. And um, it, I call it the success formula. You got to understand question concepts. I can share it with you. It's who, what, what, how. But there's a lot of detail in that simple four words because the words of who, what, when, where, why, and how are the titles of the question concepts, but not the question concepts mm -hmm. themselves. They are the other four columns um, and it's a matrix. So you enter the matrix and you see uh, exactly how people are putting information together in their head. And I saw this whole thing and I went, my God, there's a pattern here. And there's a pattern for success. And one of the things, um, like if we go back to my conversation with you, Tyler, right now, it's, do you notice how the pattern for change with your what's was delayed? Mm. Whereas the pattern with how went into change was immediate. Yeah. And when can change happen? Now. Only now. No, only yeah. in the present. So if you delay it's change. It's like hardwired into me now every time you ask that question. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, now it's, it's okay. So test with yourself when you want to get into a process. You can test that how. You know, is my what? Because you can have disguised question concepts and that's a whole nother <laughs> big one anyway but um 
that's how come learning question concepts is so important because you can see that you're disguising your own question concepts to yourself. And that's like lying to yourself is the most difficult thing when you don't even know when you're definitely not meaning to and don't even know that you're doing it and yeah. disguising these things, man, that's an impossible thing to, to get over, but it's doable. Yeah. Anyway, point being here is, I went out and I got an appointment to see Jack Gallagher. Jack Gallagher was the head of Dome Petroleum at the time in Canada and arguably the top one or two companies in Canada by far. So um, a multi, a global multi, multi-billion dollar global operation. And I got a luncheon with the CEO of that thing and the majority shareholder, Dan Close too. So he was a billionaire at the time. So was my uncle Charlie, as I found out later. But anyway, that's another story. Um, bottom line here is I went to lunch and had these conversations and was sort of covertly checking out my whole idea of this whole success formula and question concepts. So if the success formula works, people should who are successful should have this language pattern. Mm. And this language pattern should be a who, what, what, how language pattern. And they definitely should be staying out of why. Well, in the hour and a half luncheon, Jack Gallagher did not use the why question concept at all in the entire hour, hour and a half. He used the why words twice, but as disguised what's. And that was remarkable to me. I met... I hadn't met anybody who could stay out of wise as long as he could naturally without training. And he did it. He just did it. I then went and, and got into the conversation and he, and he challenged me. He said, Blair, let me know, like, tell me, what do you want to do with your life? And I thought, Oh, perfect time to test. And I could answer it in that was a what question what do you want to do with your life but yeah. i can flip that and give a disguised why answer and i got four words out of my mouth and he shut me down and he said and they were because i started going into a why and you got to learn the question concepts to know how that is but it in short the the functions of it are I gave, um, I was, he said, I don't want to hear a reason, excuse, rationalization um, from you. And I went, oh my God, that's three out of the four things that wise do. Reason, excuse, rationalization. The only one that he didn't say was justification. Hmm. And so he knew subconsciously what wise did how they operated and I threw out a why and poof, there it was. He was, he was calling me on my stuff and using exactly the same words I, I set out to describe the function of the why. And I went, holy crap, this is powerful. This is, this is correct. So people who stumble across how to stay out like unstuck and resourceful are there. I mean, it's amazing. And I know that people who are on this call and will become longtime listeners are going to hear me rant about, <laughs> you know, why wise don't work and yeah. 
you don't want to go into wise and everybody is these days it's a cool new word and it's a highly ineffective word highly ineffective word you know almost like things i want to add to that is i think about like some people who are successful and there's people who have been you know successful once yeah and never were able to do it again like the one-shot wonders and then there's yeah. the people who are consistently be able to duplicate, duplicate, duplicate their success. Absolutely. Or people who are um, successful in business, yeah. but like their personal life is a complete mess, disaster. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting how like with the training I've got, I can hear, you know, especially that one, um, you know, in business, they are like, they're what's in house, what's in house. But when it comes to their personal life, they're about the whys. It's all wise. Yeah. And they're successful in business, but not in their personal life. Yeah. Or even the people who are consistently like, um, have done well and repeatedly duplicate their success in multiple industries or places like that. That's the guy I've always wanted to be. It's like, I don't want to be the guy who just does it once. Yeah. I want to be the guy who can do it again and again and again and just keep on refining my skill sets and bring it to a bigger and bigger, more or less like platform. Exactly. And that's, that is about transforming your life, but making it predictable. Mm -hmm. And that predictability, it, the, the probability of success just keeps on going up and up and up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me personally, it's about being able to, to choose a lifestyle. Like mm -hmm. I had a, um, the largest life skills college in the world. We couldn't find one larger. And I was uh, 40 and starting a family late. And I didn't want to be consumed by a business and not have time with my family. So I chose to redesign my life. But during that process, I also learned, you know, when I was about 38, I had a student of mine who was, um, we'll just call her Diane, and she went off and she applied all of these skill sets. And she was one of those that was suicidal. Her and her brother actually did this, this attempted suicide together. And mm. she, she survived and he did not. He was successful, unfortunately. And uh, she came into the, the college. She must have and felt super guilty about that. She did, but it was it did not take too much counseling and too much coaching uh for her to realize that it was choices mm. and where she was at the time and i mean it's always about choices and the power of choice and the more that you have the ability to choose the more you can transform your life mm. and if you don't have the power of choice you're stuck in whatever you've got because you cannot be resourceful. Therefore, there are no choices. Therefore, it becomes the same thing over and over again. That's a tough place to be. Yeah. Anyway, she, uh, she learned these things. She sucked them up like nobody's business. And I was practicing my own mind models at that point. I had gotten stuff on. It was more than just life skills. It was a whole lot of other things. And we had a, this course called basic job readiness training that she was in as well. And so half the day in life skills, half the time in BGRT. And she left, graduated the program. And she was this gorgeous model like woman who was like just stunningly gorgeous and left. And she 
wound up leaving and like like graduating and almost within well definitely in less than six months she got a job at one of the department stores here on the cosmetic counter and in the elizabeth arden area actually and you know within three months of of working there she was offered the job of regional director when the regional um manager actually uh retired and all of a sudden it was like and she got the job she applied she got it and all of a sudden she's got a car she's got two apartments she's driving back and forth you know a couple hundred miles of territory and driving back and forth and now she's also dating a canadian football league player and i mean it's it's um unbelievable it's huge and so that whole piece is so she went from like what was she doing before that living in her mom and dad's basement um thinking about death a whole lot yeah so going from that to having everything a great yeah that's awesome and like how long did it take it was less than 18 months that's insane that was insane it's like it's like holy crap like you know bam her life it's like you know got hit by the fairy godfather yeah like boom (laughs) have your three wishes and yeah right great well it wasn't quite like that she worked her ass off i gotta give her credit for that but I was only making about $42,000 a year that year. And I remember this is like over 23 years ago. And I mean, that was my take home. Um, I was making about 60 gross and 42 net roughly ballparkish. Anyway, yeah. um, at the end of the day, I went back and I, uh, I decided, you know what, damn, I gotta, I, I want to have a family. Uh, my wife and I, wanted to have a family and we went out there and started our our family um and the uh the point uh, to this whole thing was is that i took the year off with the birth of our first child six months before and six months after but i also decided i'm leaving the college in very capable hands um at that moment at, at this point i'm sure that like that stew of yours was making more than you were oh she was making a lot more than I was. She was at over double what I was making at that time. And it was pissing me off. And yeah. I, I would see her, go out for coffee with her occasionally and meet with her. And, and she just, I mean, yeah, it was just irritating as all get out because of that whole thing. It was just, yeah. holy crap. It was, it was a tough struggle. But anyway, at the end of the day, I applied what I did. And in the following year, like, you know, we took the year off. Uh, first six months having the kid. Next three months helping my wife with the kid. She had a difficult birth. But uh, after that, it was more or less just preparing and reworking my life so I could transform myself and apply what I did. And I went from making $42,000 the year before to the year after I wound up making $147,000. That's what Mind Models did for me, for real. Yeah. And I went, holy crap, these things are powerful. But the really important piece was I made that $147,000 in only 17 weeks of work. That blew my mind. God, you're lazy. I know it was. And I wanted <laughs> to have that lifestyle. I wanted to reinvent my lifestyle. Yeah. And not do it 
broke. But yeah. I, I was working, you know, how people work, you know, 52 weeks out of the year while well, you don't. Well, I didn't. I took a month off. So yeah. I, I had, you know, 48 weeks out of the year I was working because I got a, a month's holiday in total. And and now instead of working 48, I, could on, I only had to work 17 weeks. I only worked 17 weeks and I made like 147,000. You, you know, what's so amazing to me is like what's actually possible. I think a lot of people... Uh, don't really realize like I I think there's like the general road that everyone kind of goes down like go to school go to college get a career do the nine-to-five thing whatever it is uh, especially with the birth of the internet but even oh, like God. this was far before internet days right yeah it was it was it, it, like you can it's amazing if you can it's amazing what's possible if you really put like your mind to it and obviously if you have you know the the mind models and the principles and things like that but realize that there, there are options out there you don't need to work like insane hours unless it, like i love it so i it's like for me it's like a hobby what i do yeah, every day is fun but yep. like for people who want that more of a, like a work-life balance like it's amazing what's possible like i've definitely and like you've had i know even now like past that you had even better years oh god yeah yeah we've uh, We're still maintaining like like I, I know even, you know, what we pay you and uh, we talk to you like four times a week for, or four times a month for an hour and a half, roughly at yeah. a time. Yeah. Like exactly. It's amazing what's possible when you understand that. And then, you know, I'm sure. Uh, well, that's another mind model is called uh, time wage versus, versus value. value. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. People don't understand. They're just so eager to like sell their time. Yeah. And even from a consulting point of view, like that's a model you've definitely flipped on its head. It's like, you know, a lot of consultants out there, you know, they'll charge a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks an hour, whatever it is. Like uh, you can charge way more if you can understand the value. Exactly. But you got to work at understanding value and how mm -hmm. people perceive value because mm -hmm. everything that you buy is a perceived value. Totally. And yeah, the real cost of anything is yeah. not a, is a fraction of what you buy it for at the store. Exactly. Always. Otherwise, there would be no profit. There would be no way of anybody staying in business. Yeah. But the upper end of that is always based on value. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, that's so critical. So, um, gee, I think we better wrap this thing up pretty quick here, Tyler. I can awesome. talk to you about stuff here all day long. Well, I know. <laughs> we have before. We have before. Yes. So, but so um, takeaways. What? Uh, what do you uh, uh, want to take away from this conversation? And what do you think the, the people that are listening should take away from this? For me, it's definitely uh, focusing on staying on process and catching myself when I go into content. Yeah. And uh, I'd say for people out there listening, uh, just to really embrace these mind models and test them for yourself. Like you'll see that they work. I, I promise you they do. Like when I was at my engineering job, I think they were paying me 26, maybe 28 bucks an hour. Um, and last year we did four and a half million across all our companies. And I went from working to someone else to working for myself. Yeah. And, you know, I lived in Vancouver, which is a beautiful city, but now I live in like sunny Florida and I have the option to live anywhere I want in the world because as long as I have a computer and an internet connection, I'm good. Um, and not to like brag or anything, but it's all possible because of the training I've had from you. Like you've been the greatest influence in my life. You've been almost like, you know, a best friend and a father in a lot of respects to me. Wow. I so I can't thank you enough for that. But um, 
but for people out there, like test them, test them for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Blair's word for it. Do it for yeah, yourself. Don't take my word for it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll see that it works yeah. and, um, test, test multiple. Don't just try one, try like, um, you know, I'm not too sure what you've gone over, but like time wage versus value-based thinking, that one's huge. Um, you know, obviously judgment versus evaluation, certainty versus clarity, um, the, the success formula. Content, yeah. yeah. Who, what, what, how's like yeah. understand how this stuff works and test it because once you do, once you go down that road, it's like the whole matrix thing, like the two pills, um, right. you'll never go back. Yeah. In fact, it's almost impossible to go back. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. I, I, that'll be saved for another conversation I'm sure, <laughs> with either you or somebody else, but it'll be about, uh, yeah, the matrix and going down the rabbit hole and how you can't get out, back out because yeah. it's more effective. Nor will you want to. Like, yeah, really. You it's don't so want. much better. <laughs> exactly. Life gets easier, not more totally. complicated. Anyway, again, thank you so much for jumping on this with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thank you for having really me. appreciate this. And for those of you out there, if uh, please like it, uh, subscribe, and uh, share with your friends and, and people out there that you know. Um, you know, share the message. Tell them to jump on to mindmodelmasterysecrets.com. And if you like this, stick around. We'll have a lot more interesting um, different interviews. One of the people that will be on in the near future is going to be another uh, longtime user. And his name is Darren Olstad. And again, multimillionaire uh, guy that's living in Costa Rica in a flipping unbelievable house. And this guy plays like his whole life now is like a, um, a Darren kills me. Darren kills me. It's like, Jesus, this guy flies around the world. He plays polo with the professionals out there yeah. and royalty and everything else. And I would just like to say that Darren's probably the world's most eligible bachelor. Yeah, seriously. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to keep up with him. That's all. Yeah, exactly. And yes, he's, uh, he's a cool dude. He's really absolutely. Cool. Anyway, I'll let you go and we'll have him on in the near future. Plus others like, you know, John Sue and other people that will be coming on and other people uh, even more famous than those guys. So, Anyway, again, thanks so much for coming on board, Tyler. Really glad you could make it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Bye for now, guys. Bye. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe and leave feedback. Do you want more Mind Model Secrets? If so, go to mindmodelmasterysecrets.com to subscribe on iTunes or get links to watch the episodes as videos on YouTube and Facebook.